we may hear your call to become your path into this world. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. An Old Testament scholar that I've learned a lot from describes this book of Lamentations as five long poems of sadness and grief over the ancient city of Jerusalem that was destroyed by the Babylonians about 587 B.C. This book of five poems in five chapters has been described as a work of art produced in response to a historical disaster. Our reading from 2 Kings 25 reports that disaster in some detail that makes us appreciate the, the poem even more. In the fifth month on the seventh day of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the King of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, every great house he burned down. All the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried into exile the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had defected to the king of Babylon, all the rest of the population. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest people of the land to be vine dressers and tillers of the soil. The bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord as well as the stands and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke into pieces and carried the bronze to Babylon. They took away the pots, the shovels, the snuffers, the dishes for incense, and all the bronze vessels used in the temple service, as well as the fire pans and the basins. What was made of gold, the captain of the guard took away for the gold, and what was made of silver, took away for the silver. As for the two pillars, the one sea and the stands, which Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of the, all these vessels was beyond weighing. The height of one pillar was 18 cubits. Remember last week said a cubit, about a foot and a half, from the elbow to the tip of your hand. 18 cubits. And on it was a bronze capital. The height of the capital was three cubits. Latticework and pomegranates, all of bronze, on the capital all around. The second pillar had the same with the latticework. The captain of the guard took the chief priest, Sariah, and the second priest, Zephaniah, and the three guardians of the threshold. The city, he took an officer who had been in command of the soldiers and five men of the king's council who were found in the city, the secretary who was commander of the army who mustered the people of the land and the 60 people of the, of the land who were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. The king of Babylon struck them down and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. So Judah went into exile 
out of its land. That's the history. In short, the loss was devastating, overwhelming. So the first two poems of Lament and the Book of Lamentations mourn that loss. But then, about a third of the way through the third chapter of Lamentations, in his darkest moment, surrounded by sin, soaking in sorrow, Jeremiah rediscovers the basis for his hope to be renewed and strengthened. Listen for it. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down before me. Here it comes. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good for those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust, there may yet be hope to give one's cheek to the smiter, to be filled with insults, for the Lord will not reject forever. Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not willing, willingly afflict or grieve anyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How do you deal with devastating loss? As the psychologist for North Carolina Services for the Blind, I heard many, many stories of devastating loss. You see, people lose vision from basically three things, from disease, from accidents, from assaults. With some diseases, people lose vision gradually, sometimes so subtly they don't even notice. That's why beyond a certain age you get those glaucoma checks before it's too late. Others lose vision instantly from car wrecks or shootings, or assaults. I heard stories of gruesome assaults. Some lose vision before they're even born. In any event, such loss is usually devastating, not just for practical issues like getting around and matching clothes and being able to read, but financially, people lose their businesses. Socially, people can lose jobs and homes and spouses, and worst of all, hope. So many, many people ask me, why, oh, why did this happen to me? I told them that, well, some people find answers in their faith, in their philosophy of life. 
Others learn to live with the question, seeing it as an inscrutable mystery. The important thing after overwhelming loss is to find some source of hope, to find some way to marshal your skills to keep alive, keep hope alive, keep yourself alive, and to keep going. The people Jeremiah wrote to about, folks he was writing about had been conquered. Their sacred city and its magnificent temple had been utterly ruined. Their elite citizens had been toted off to Babylon. They had no rational reason to think that their nation would ever be made great again. Ever. And yet, in the midst of sorrowful mourning, Jeremiah found reason to hope. He found it in memory. His nation had a long history of being guided and guarded by Almighty God. With that realization, the poet, prophet, was able to write, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. They're fresh every morning. <coughs> Jeremiah knew that although it felt like evening, it's morning. God's steadfast love never ends and God's blessings are fresh every day. To borrow just a little bit of wisdom from Johnny Wiggins <clears throat> who said, it's better to be above the grass than under it. <laughs> every day we draw breath. We have reason to be thankful. Every new day we have reason to hope because God's love never ends. The big challenge about devastating loss is to figure out what to do, to come up with a plan to keep going. So how do we figure out what to do? Well, the verses 25 through 30 we just read tell us some about how to discern God's good guidance. The first thing may be the hardest, waiting. The Lord is good for those who wait on him, a soul that seeks him. It's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Most of us are really good at rushing around and hurrying. Oh, especially on the interstate. But waiting, not so much. We want what we want and we want it now. We like the sense of the old hymn. God is working his purpose out and the time is drawing near when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Nice idea. We're ready. Fill her up. <laughs> Fill her up. But waiting, no thank you. Now. And not just waiting, it says, waiting quietly. Learning that our ways are not God's ways and our timing is not God's timing is the first and hardest step. Now the 27th verse talks about bearing the yoke. That's a poetic way of describing submitting to God's discipline. It is good for one to bear the yoke and use to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it. Put one's mouth to the dust. 
and may it be healed. Bearing burdens in silence is yet another thing. Most of us are not really good at it. All you have to do is go look on Facebook, right? You'll see it. Not to mention putting one's mouth to the ground as it is having the humility to kiss the, kiss the dirt, kiss the ground. We'll gripe about anything with a little thought of how trivial our complaints may be in the great scheme of things. I remember one summer in college, uh, a friend and I had internships at the mental health center in Charlotte. We were living in a nice room in a fancy area of the city we'd rented, but we didn't have any car. And taking the bus to work would have taken two transfers and almost two hours to go downtown. They had a downtown when I was living in Charlotte. It's all uptown now. But to go downtown and then go back out to the mental health center. So rain or shine, and it rained a lot that summer, we hitchhiked to work every day. So we were not so sympathetic. Went at a break at lunch. Another intern complained that in the old Mercedes Benz his family had given him, the leather dashboard was beginning to crack. <laughs> we were getting to work with our thumbs every day, and he was worried about the leather beginning to crack. Well, there are treatments for that, you know, <laughs> armor. Sometimes we need to look around at other people's troubles to realize we wouldn't want to swap our troubles with theirs for anything. Well, another challenge instruction from Jeremiah is to give one's cheek to the smiter and be filled with insults. Well, who wants that? Right? Get slapped and insulted. But remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doubled down on that, that giving your cheek to the smiter, saying if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Being able to achieve such a discipline takes more self-control, more humility than most of us have. It takes patience that comes from confidence and, and, and faith in God's steadfast love. Well, just as when Jeremiah was mourning devastating loss, we need to remember how good God has been to us in the past and to recognize how good God is to us now. Even when it feels like a dark, dark night, we need to have hope for the morning. As the psalmist affirmed in the next, in a, um, Psalm 124, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And as the prophet said, when coping with devastating, devastating loss, when his soul was bowed down within him, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Thanks be to God.